Thank you for listening to the New Life Church podcast. If you need any information about our church or if you'd like to give online, please visit us at newlifekingman.com. Lift your hands and worship him. He's worthy of our praise. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Lord, we will worship you, God. We will glorify you. We will magnify you in this place, God. For you alone are worthy. There's none like you in all the earth, God. There's none like you. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you, God, for your love. We thank you for your sacrifice. And Father, today we pray that you would move upon this place. Lord, that right now that you would move through lives, God, touching, God, our lives, God, doing for us what we cannot for ourselves. God, those impossible things, God, those things where we have no answer, God, we have no way, but God, you are the way maker, and Lord, we pray that you make that way. God, that you cause that water to flow out of a rock. Lord, that you lead us to the rock that is higher than I. Father, that you would move upon our lives, God. Touch our hearts today. Lord, may we not leave here as we came. Lord, that we would be transformed by your presence. God, we thank you, Jesus. And we give you all the glory and all the honor. And all God's people said, amen and amen. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. You can be seated this morning. Oh, thank you, Jesus. God is so good to us, amen? Amen. Praise God. Before we get uh, started uh, this morning, there's a couple things we wanna do. First of all, we want to make mention of our life group fair. Uh, Many of you, as you were coming in, you may saw in the uh, multi-purpose room, you saw stuff in there and you're going like, wow, what's uh, going on in there? Well, that's our life group fair, and so what we're doing is all of our different life groups that we have in church, are they've got their booth set up to uh, explain and advertise and let you know, communicate to you what uh, we're doing. And so after church today, as you leave, we ask you just to walk through there. It'll take you just a couple minutes, see what's going on in the times when we're off, when we're not in the building and different things that are going on, you might find something like, hey, I want to be a part of that life group. Remember, we're learning how to do life together. Can you say amen? And so we want to encourage you to be a part of that. Also, what we want to do today is we want to take time for another spotlight. Um, Every month or so, what we're doing is we are spotlighting Uh, people in our church, volunteers in our church that just go above and beyond. And if you are in, if you have your uh, New Life brochure bulletin as you were coming in, in there there's a flyer with uh, CH and Tammy Marshall pictured on that. And CH and Tammy, uh, they are new to our church uh, in the last year or so. Um, but they have gotten involved and they have started volunteering and they are incredible. And so we want to thank them today and we want to recognize their efforts. And we also want to recognize all the efforts of our volunteers. This church cannot do what it does without volunteers. And let me say, let me, let me just put a plug in. We need more. We need more. In fact, how, all of you raise your hand. Everybody raise their hand. Everybody raise your hand. Come on. Come on, you hard guys. Raise your hand. Come on. I'm not, I'm not going any further until you raise your hand. Right? Come on. Some of you raise your hand. Raise it up. Okay. Now you're all volunteers. Amen. Hallelujah. Some of you were holding out because you knew where I was going. It's like, I ain't raising my hand. If, if, if we don't do that, then we're going to do the old military thing, you know, line you all up and then everybody steps back and you're the only one standing. Thanks for volunteering. There you go. That's what we're doing. But look, at, we, we really do appreciate our volunteers and we really do want to spotlight uh, CH and Tammy. They do so much for us. Things that, there, there are things that go uh, unseen and things that are um, not always appreciated, but they do such a good job at it and they are so good to us. And, and so we just want to uh, recognize them. Amen. Well, let me get my notes up here if my uh, iPad will uh, cooperate. If my, op- my, holy cow, wow, man, that, I got to start drinking more of the decaf, something, I don't know, threw me off today. Well, I thought last week was going to be our last sermon in this series on prayer, but what can I say? 
You know what? Uh, God is full of surprises. Amen. And uh, you know, have you ever noticed that? I, have you ever have you ever set out on a path and you thought, okay, I got the mind of God. This is what I'm going to do. And just about the time you get going, God kind of taps you on the shoulder and says, uh, uh, "Hey, um, I got something to say." And it's like, uh, okay, what what would you like to say about this? You know, and it's, you know, because sometimes I think, you know, I think, you know. Sometimes that voice we hear in our head is really suspiciously sounds like our own voice, you know what I mean? And we put God's name to it, but uh, I hope that we don't all do that, but sometimes it happens. And so I thought last week we were going to uh, be at the end of our series, but uh, through the week this week, God uh, got a hold of me and, and put a thought in my heart that I really feel like puts the capstone on this series on prayer. How many know this morning that prayer is so important? And let me say to you, and I appreciate that a lot of you raised your hands, and, and I just wanna say to you that this, this idea, this, this subject is so fundamental to our Christianity. It really is fundamental to who we are as Christians, as children of God, and it really is fundamental to our connection and our relationship with God. Let me tell you something today. Jesus did not come to the earth to uh, promote or to build a religious organization. That is not what he came to do. Jesus did not come to the earth to even establish rules and regulations. Jesus came so that he could be the one that could connect us again with God. He came so that we could once again have relationship with the Father. Now, there's a lot of stuff in that, but we know that ultimately Jesus' mission was to give us the ability or to make way for us to be able to connect with the Father. The Father created us, the Father created mankind so that he could have a family. You and I are his children. And the thing that God longs for more than anything else anywhere is that we would talk with him, that we would have relationship with him. And that's what prayer is all about, isn't it? Prayer is about relationship with God. And you know, one of the things that, that has amazed me, you know, I, I, I said in, as we opened, I says God is full of surprises. And, and he is full of surprises. And God loves to surprise us. And, and God really does like to do things that we cannot. God, God loves to do the things that we have absolutely no power to do. Can you say amen? See, what we, what we see as impossible, God sees as possible. God, see, there's nothing impossible with God. Can you say amen to that? Jesus, he even tells us this over and over in the Gospels. Jesus is speaking to his disciples in Matthew chapter 19, verse number 26. Jesus is speaking, and he's talking to his disciples, and he's telling them about a point of doctrine or point of theology about salvation, and he's using a story, he's using an illustration where he is communicating to them about salvation and he says this, this is after the encounter with the rich young ruler, and, and Jesus says it's impossible for a rich man to get saved. He says, in fact, he goes, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than it is for a rich man to get saved. Now, this blew the, the, uh, the disciples away. They're thinking in their mind, then, well, what hope is there for us? What hope can there be for us? This is, the, then who can get saved? That's their question. They asked Jesus, who can get saved then? If that's true, who could get saved? And Jesus responds in verse 26 and he says, he says, with men, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Now, what we need to do, we understand the story, and I don't believe it does any harm to the scripture here, but we need to take the word this out of that and insert our situation. We need to insert our impossibility. We need to insert our problem, our question, our difficulty, our, so we need to say things like this, with men, my finances are impossible. But with God, all things are possible. We need to say, with men, my job is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. My, my calling is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. We need, you know, and whatever it is in your life. And, it, and listen to me, church. It doesn't matter how big or how small. God is not moved by size. 
Okay, God, God don't care about size. We, we, we relate to size because that helps us to understand things. God does not look at a problem based on its size. It doesn't matter how small it is or, or how big it is. Look, God's able if it's big and, and God is able if it's small. I remember a song years ago that was preached or, or sung, I should say, and, and there's a phrase in one of the uh, verses that says this, you are wrapped up in the details of my life. And that means every little detail, every little situation, every little problem, God is aware of and involved in. Look, at God is not an idle bystander. See, I think oftentimes we get this picture of God is that he is just kind of watching life unfold and not involved. He's not. God is involved. God's involved in my life and your life. And, and I'll be honest with you, church, this is something that is very hard for us as Christians to get a hold of. It's very hard for us to, to, to uh, connect with this idea that even when I have something as small as, let's say, a paper cut, and I'm being serious, I'm not being flippant here, even if something as small as a paper cut, God is aware. God move, is moved by that. There's something there of God in that, in that he is a part of the solution to that. So it, it doesn't matter what it is, how big or small God is with that. Look at nothing not even the most overwhelming obstacle will be impossible to overcome with God. Can you say amen? amen? Now we all this morning face great opportunities of brilliant, that are brilliantly disguised as impossible situations. That's what we have to start doing. We have to start looking at our circumstances as an opportunity. And, I, and I'll be honest with you today. If you all could just sit there and let me preach this sermon to me, that would be really good because I need this more than anybody. That's how you know you got the mind of God is when the preacher needs it. And, and, and I need this I, I, because there's oftentimes, I, my, my natural bend in life is to be a little bit... Um, Negative, and so I, I, I struggle with that. And so generally when I come up to an impossibility, you know, I'm kicking rocks and you know, I'm mad and I'm frustrated and I'm this and that and I got a list and I'm logical and I could tell you all the whys and what, what fors and I can explain to you exactly why this ain't gonna work. And God's like, shut up. You know, I, I get that. He's, he's like, shut up. I, he goes, the reason this is impossible is because I would like to show off to you, but I can't while you're running your mouth. Okay, and, and I don't want anybody to take offense at that. That was all for me. Okay, that was, that's really about me. And so, and if you want to hitchhike on that, feel welcome to do that if that's you too. But Sometimes I just need to shut up and, and because these, these, op, these obstacles are really opportunities for God to move. Yes. Can you say amen? Yes. And if we aren't careful, if we, if we constantly look at it like it's, it's some impossible situation, we're going to miss out on some of God's best work. You know, we all love stories where we've heard God move. We love stories, you know, we hear stories of like, like uh, somebody says, you know what, they, the bill collector was en route. The, the, you know, the, they, they were coming to collect everything. But at the very last moment, the check came through. Somebody walked up and handed me the exact amount of money I needed. We love those stories, but we hate living those realities. How many know what I'm talking about? And somewhere what we got to do is we got to have that trust in him that says, you know what, God, you're coming through. And look at even like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the, the three guys that got into the oven, yeah. you know, it, he didn't show up at the oven door. He showed up in the fire. Yeah. And so even in the fire, we have to go, you know what, God, you know what, I, I'm not even careful. I'm not bowing my knee. Can you say amen? I'm, I'm, not, I'm not bowing my knee to this thing. You're impossible for me. We all know that. So get over it. But it's not impossible with God. And God is coming through, whether it's now or later, he's coming through. Can you say amen to that? And somewhere we've got to stand on that. See, we need to start thinking vertically. What do you say, what do you mean by that? See, the Bible says, set your mind on things above. See, I think the problem is, is we have our mind too much focused on the here and now. 
We set our things, our mind and our view and our perspective on things that are temporary. Jesus, or, well, Jesus through Paul writes in, in uh, Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, he says, you know what? Don't pay attention to temporary things. Don't, things that you can see, they're temporary. He goes, but the things you can't see, they're eternal. And the problem is, is we're so focused on the here and now that we, 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 we forget that God is involved. So we've got to stop thinking horizontally. In other words, we gotta stop thinking rationally or logically or reasonably. We, 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 need to, we need to get rid of those words. So if somebody walks up to you and says, just be reasonable, tell them, I rebuke you, devil, get behind me. Because somewhere what we gotta do is start thinking vertically. We gotta, we gotta go, you know what, God, this is, a, you are well able to do this. See, here's the problem. When we think in terms of rational or in terms of logical or reasonability, it, when it pertains to God and his word and his kingdom, then the net effect is, is what happens is our prayers become weak. They become sterile. They become religious if they exist at all. Are you hearing me? And a Christian who neglects prayer is like a fish that avoids water. It's like, can you see a fish, you know, flopping up on the beach and somebody walks up and says, hey, what are you doing? He goes, I'm just tired of this whole water thing, man. You know, it ain't working for me. Tried that, did that, it ain't working. It's like, well, your time's limited then. You can, you can choose to live outside the water, but you are created to live in the water and your time is limited without it. Do you know, church, you were created to live in the supernatural? Let me say this to you. You were created to live in a supernatural atmosphere. He said, how do you know that, pastor? Well, let me, let me share with you. Salvation is by nature a supernatural event. The most supernatural thing that can happen to you is for you to be translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. The salvation of a soul, the transformation of a soul, the recreation, creating something completely brand new out of something that was completely ruined is the miracle of miracles. You are not, we've said this before, you are not a, 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 an old equipment with new parts. You're not an old picture, you know, you're not an old TV with a new picture tube. You're brand new. You, you are the latest 5K, 14 pixel, I, I don't know whatever it is, but you are the latest of the latest. And God took the old thing and he redid it. He, uh, down to the molecular, down to the quarks and then, whatever our atoms are made out of and redid you. And he created something brand new in you. Can you say amen? amen? And with you, you are a walking miracle. You are supernatural. Yeah. Every person in this room was created to live in the supernatural. Yeah. But what happens is because we get our eyes on this world and we start thinking rationally, we start thinking that, that you know what, this got to make sense and I've got to understand it, then what happens is everything in our life becomes passive. It becomes nullified. Yes. We start thinking horizontally. Now it's about what I can do and not what he can do. And let me tell you something, I've discovered something about my life. I am not the sharpest knife in the drawer, but after 53 years of living, I have discovered there's not much I can do. Come on, you say, how do you know that? Because I mess everything up. I know, everybody's going, oh. But see, with God, all things are possible. I can do anything with him. So then the reciprocal would be true. I can do nothing without him. Are you hearing that this morning? Now, what we need to understand is this thing, prayer, is really a part of all of this. This, 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 this concept, this principle of prayer is interwoven into all of us. See, prayer has become so cliche in the church. It's like we, we, we use that word prayer so flippantly and easily with no intention of ever doing it. I know, I know, it's, it's like, oh, here he goes. No, I'm not trying to make you feel guilty. I'm wanting you to, I'm wanting you to take a little bit of inventory because so it's easy to say, I'll pray and then not pray. 
Are you hearing me? This shouldn't be. We should be, listen church, I'm gonna use a really fancy $50 word here if I can pronounce it correctly. We should be praying audacious prayers. We should be believing God for the impossible. Can you say amen? So I want you to think about this. I want you to go to the text, Joshua chapter 10. And I wanna read this story to you. I love this story. Verse 12, it says, Then Joshua spoke to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the children of Israel. And he said in the sight of Israel, Son, stand still over Gibeon and, the, and moon in the valley of Ajalon. So the sun stood still and the moon stopped till the people had revenged, uh, revenge upon their enemies. Is this not written in the book of Jasher? So the sun stood still in the midst of heaven and did not hasten to go down for about a whole day. And there has been no day like it, like that, before it or after it, that the Lord heeded the voice of a man for the Lord fought for Israel. Think about this for a moment. Think about this. Joshua says, we're running out of time. Have you ever had a project where you needed a little more time? Have you ever had a bill where you needed just a little bit more time? Have you ever had a responsibility that you're coming to a deadline where you need a little bit more time? Joshua's in this situation. And so rather than going, hey guys, because what you know, most of us do is we put pressure on the people around us. Come on, let's get it going. He doesn't do that. He, he comes with, up with an audacious thought. An impossible thought. Sun, stand still. Oh, and by the way, moon, you too. And you know what the Bible says? It did for a whole day. That's pretty audacious to me. That's, that's, that, that might be even bordering on presumptuous. But he did it. And he did it in the Old Testament. He said, well, what's the significance of that? The significance is we have a better covenant. The significance is God, the one that stopped it, lives in us. God lived in temples back then, in tents and temples made by the, the hands of men. Now God takes up residence, the one that has the power to do this. He lives in me and in you. And now we have access to that kind of power 24-7 if we will have the mind and the will to be audacious. I know, I heard you, I heard it. I heard somebody think, well, what if he doesn't do it? What if he don't? So what? I can't answer all those questions. I cannot answer. There are a lot of questions that I cannot answer. There are a lot of mysteries and sometimes God does not provide us with answers and so what we have to be is good with the mystery. Are you hearing me? But let me ask you a different question. What if he does? Let's think that way. Let's not look for him not to do it. Let's look for him to do it. Let's be audacious. Can you say amen to that? See, the Bible is a book about fervent prayer. The Bible is a book about fervent prayer and the resulting answers to those prayers. From Genesis to Revelation, the power of audacious prayer is overwhelming in its emphasis in the Bible. We would be hard pressed this morning to read the Bible without coming to the conclusion that prayer actually does change things. In fact, prayer changes everything. Now here's the thing you need to understand about prayer, is not only does prayer change the subject of which is being prayed for, but in the process of praying, prayer changes you. There's something about the dynamic and the atmosphere and the principle of prayer that in the process of praying, it does something for you. It changes you, it helps you, it encourages you, it blesses you. Because why? Because it is the vehicle for the relationship we have with God. It is through prayer that we connect with the Father. It is through prayer that the presence of God begins to rest upon us. Can you say amen? It changes everything. See, faith 
and prayer are the vehicles that move things from the realm of the spirit into the natural arena. They cause the unseen to become reality. So Jesus being asked, how do we pray? The disciples coming and saying, how do we pray? Jesus says, pray in this manner. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, when we pray, part of prayer is bringing what is in heaven to bear on earth to bring the kingdom of God into my marriage, to bring the kingdom of God into my family, to bring the kingdom of God and his will as it is done in heaven into my home and my children and my job and my checkbook and everything, my dog, my goldfish, for heaven's sakes. If I get another goldfish, I had, I had fish a while back, but if I ever get another fish, I want the kingdom of God to rest on my fish. You say, why is that? Because it is the will of God. You say, why would you be so silly? It's not silly. If you cannot look at it and see it that way, then you need to, you need to pray. You need to say, God, what's up? Because I want God in every corner. I want him in every crook and cranny. I want him on every fiber. I want him on everything. I want him everywhere in my life. Can you say amen? In Luke chapter 11, this is a great story. We see something that we need to pay attention to starting in verse five. It says, then Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children are in, and I are in bed. I can't get up. I wonder how they're talking. I'm, I'm just not sure. Is, are they yelling? Is he looking in the bedroom window? I'm not sure. But anyway, I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So, Jesus says, so... Because of that, because of that example, I say to you, ask and it will be given, seek and you'll find, knock and the door will be opened to you for, for everyone who asks, receive, and the one who fi- seeks, finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be opened. So church, shameless audacity. We need to be shameless in our audacity. I mean, we need to, we, here's how Bill Gates standing right there where that guitar is. Hey, Bill, I need $10 million. That would be a little bit audacious, wouldn't it? But God is wanting us to come like that. He wants us to come boldly into his throne room, lay at his feet our needs, and proclaim his goodness and say, Father, this is what I need. I can't do this on my own, but you can. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna, and you know what? The shameless audacity, it means we keep asking. It means we rattle his cage so that he finally goes, Gabriel, give them what they want. They're bugging me. (laughs) Now, I don't know. That's John's world, and that's a little weird. I get Uh it. But I don't know if that's the picture. But somewhere, this is the thought. It's like, you know what? Sometimes we just, we, 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 do you know why the shameless audacity? Look, if I walk walk up to you and say, uh, oh, Shannon, Uh um, I really, I I don't want to bother you, but, um, and, and I know, I know you do a lot of things for a lot of people, but I, I was wondering if it, if it, you know, if it could be your will, if, if your will, if I could get your will to line up with mine, um, um, if you could give me five bucks for lunch, uh, you know, I, you don't have to, you know, I, I don't, I don't, I don't really, you know, I know you're, you, you know, you're on a limited income. I, I mean, it's, it's a fixed income. Who's fixed? Whose income isn't fixed? Anyway. Uh, well, I, I'm, just, I'm just saying, Shannon, if, 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 if you could find it in your heart, just if you could care about me. I know I'm sinful. I, I know. I, I do stupid things. I, I don't deserve it. And you know what? Forget, forget if I even asked, Shannon. I, it's, I've been asking you for five minutes, and so I've already bugged you, so I'm out. This prayer thing don't work. What in the world is that? 
What in the world is that? You know, I love little Oliver. I, I love my grandchildren. I love Oliver and Titus. They, they're bold. These guys are bold. They just, you know, they don't, hey, Oliver don't ask. He don't have to ask. He's at grandpa's house. Everything grandpa has. He walks in and just says, hey. He, he don't even say, hey. He just goes to the fridge. He gets a popsicle. Starts eating the popsicle. It's like, hey, bro. He goes, what? Thanks for the popsicle, man. Okay. Now look, at, I, I know I'm being a little bit silly and I'm not talking that we need to treat God with disrespect, but what I'm talking about is there needs to be a confidence on our inside that says, I am his child. I am his son. And therefore I have rights and privileges as that child. And I could go before him and I could come to him and I don't have to come to his, you know, God, if it's your will to heal me. Let me tell you something about healing and I know this is controversial, but that's okay. I'm feeling my oats today, so that's all right. Oh, wow. let, let, let me say this, look at. I want you to think about this. Two times in the Bible this is mentioned. In Isaiah 53, five, it says this, by his stripes we are healed. Okay, you go all the way over, and I believe it's in 2 Peter, it says this. It says, by his stripes we were healed. Interesting choice of words of are and were. One is present tense, one is past tense. Okay, I don't believe that's a mistake. But look at the both the Old and New Testament proclaim about Jesus Christ that on that cross, in his crucifixion, he took stripes. In other words, that's a very polite way of saying he was beaten beyond recognition with a whip that you can't even imagine. His body was broken. Why? So we could be healed. Now, why in the world, if it was not God's will to heal me, why would he submit to that? Why would he pay a price for something he had no intention of paying for? How does that even fit into logic? It doesn't. So you gotta settle it. You gotta settle these things in your mind. It is the will of God. You say, well, what if he don't? What if he does? And I don't know why sometimes it's a delay. I don't know why some people seem to get healed quicker than others. I don't understand. I don't know because I don't know the mind of God and I don't know all that's going on. And so that mystery has to be good for me. But what I can stand in, what I do know is that he was broken for my healing. And I stand upon that in the name of Jesus. So what happens when we're, when we're not so? What happens if we're, because the, the Bible talks about it too. It talks about audaciousness, but it also talks about passivity. In 2 Kings 13, 15 through 19, it says, Elisha said to him, take a bow and some arrows. So he took himself a bow and some arrows. Then he said to the king of Israel, put your hand on the bow. So he put his hand on it and Elisha put his hands on the king's hands. And he says, open the east window. And he opened it. Then Elisha said, shoot. And he shot, and he says, the arrow of the Lord's deliverance and the arrow of deliverance from Syria. For you must strike the Syrians at Aphek till you have destroyed them. Then he said, take the arrows. So he took them and he said to the king of Israel, strike the ground. So he struck it three times and stopped. And the man of God was angry with him and said, you should have struck five or six times. Then you would have struck Syria till you had destroyed it. But now you will strike Syria only three times. I want you to think about this because what's happening here is a, what's called a prophetic act. Okay, it's a prophetic act. It's an act that lends itself to prophecy. It's talking about something, so it's a prophetic act. Do you understand that? He's shooting the arrow, and that is the arrow of the deliverance. Okay, that it, was, it, it was prophetic. There was nothing magical in the arrow or the bow, but it was the instruction of God. Just like walking around the walls of Jericho, there was nothing magical about walking except that God said, this is the way to deliverance. This is the way to freedom. And what we've got to do, church, is we've got to stop questioning what God's asking us to do. If he says, lift up holy hands without wrath and doubting, then by God, lift them as high as you can. If he says, open your mouth and cry out, don't worry about who's listening. If he says, stand up, stand up. If he says, sit down, sit. If he says, run, run. If he, don't, don't go, well, God, why you got me doing this? It don't matter why. 
why. You won't figure it out. I don't know why he wanted the, the, him to hit the arrows on the ground, except that it was a prophetic act. But this man, somewhere, what he did was get passive. You know what he did is he copped an attitude. He went, why are you bugging me with this, God? Just how, You know what? God could. See, this is the thing I think about. God could have just given him victory. But God says, shoot the arrow, hit the ground. And then what we do is we question. We don't shoot or we go, huh, all right, whatever. Are you happy? I, I did it. Well, here, tap, tap, tap. He said, you should have ground those arrows into the ground. You know what? I, you know, I, the first service, Dana, how many know Dana? Dana was here. I told her about a dream I had. I told her about the dream that I had years ago about I was preaching and she was sitting right there and all of a sudden I, I heard her talk and she was clear. And she went past her and I could hear her clearly. And I told her, stand up. And she stood up and she started running. She ran that way. And I told her today, I told her, I said, when that happens, uh, here's, uh, this is the instruction. You run that way. And then you don't go out the door, go down that thing and you run. And I said, while I'm preaching that whole message, you keep running. You run and run and run and run and run. You run. Some of us need to get out of our seat and run a little. You say, why are you saying this? Because you know what, church? We're sitting in the boat wondering when Jesus is gonna show up and he's out in the water saying, I wonder when they're getting out of the boat. Right. <laughs> Remember, I'm preaching to me. Just, yeah. The timid soul lives the saddest life. Theodore Roosevelt put it this way. He says, far better it is to dare mighty things to win glorious triumphs, even though checkered by failure, than to take the ranks with those poor spirits who neither enjoy much nor suffer much because they live in the gray twilight that knows neither victory nor defeat. Church, I would rather that you take a risk and fail than sit there and do nothing. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Every one of us needs to know confidently that God is for us. If we will just stand, he will move. And if he is for us, then the possibilities that stand before us are limitless. Too often we are like the, the king before Elisha, praying timid prayers. Listen, God loves audacious prayer. Audacious prayer, listen, audacious prayer honors God and God honors audacious prayer. Are you hearing that? Now I'm gonna make one other statement. If your prayers aren't impossible to you, then you are insulting God. Because if you can accomplish what you're praying for, you don't need God. It's about you. Because look, they don't require divine intervention. See, one way or another, your prayers, whether big or small, will shape the direction of your life. And listen to me, prayers are prophecies. They are the best predictors of your spiritual life. One man put it this way, you will become, or who you become is determined by how you pray. Ultimately, the transcript of your prayers becomes the script of your life. Are you hearing me? See, audacious prayers stand before the crowd, as Joshua did, and they declare an expe expectation from God that points to the limitlessness of his power. And that's faith in action. Are you hearing me? Faith is having the audacity to pray prayers that live up to God's character. God's heart, God's resources, God's will, and his ability. See, it's one thing for Joshua to pray quietly in privacy of his tent. It was a whole nother thing for him to stand up and declare what was impossible before the nation. Can you imagine that? He stood there and he went, I got an idea. Sun, stay still. Moon, don't you move either. And he did it so everyone could see. 
See, faith is the audacity to look foolish and take a risk. (laughs) Noah looked foolish building a boat in the middle of the desert. It hadn't rained up to that point. God watered the earth by dew. It never rained at that point. And they're going, hey, uh, Noah, um, what you doing? I'm building a boat. What's a boat? Oh, it's a thing that floats on top of water. Uh, You're in the middle of the desert. Yeah, it's gonna rain. What's rain? Water's gonna fall from the sky. What? You're a nutcase, Noah. The Israel army looked foolish marching around Jericho blowing trumpets. Can you imagine that? I know, I know us. I know me. (laughs) I'd mock them. I'd throw stuff at them. I would've. I know me. Somebody started marching around. What are you doing? You're stupid. I'd have got a slingshot. I'm, I would have bet with Andy. Me and Andy would have been on top of the thing. I bet you can't hit that one. 10 points, you knocked their hat right off. Pow. That's what we'd have been doing. Uh, I know. A shepherd boy named David looked foolish charging at a giant with just a slingshot. The three wise men looked a little foolish tracking down a star. What you guys, where are you guys going? Oh, we're following that star. Uh, where to? Wherever it goes. Okay. All right, man, whatever. Get on with it. Peter looked foolish getting out of the boat in the middle of a storm. Jesus looked foolish wearing a crown of thorns. But the results speak for themselves, don't they? Noah was saved from the flood. The walls came tumbling down. David defeated Goliath. The wise men discovered the Messiah. Peter walked on water. And Jesus was crowned King of Kings, Lord of Lords. See, the greatest moments in life are the miraculous moments when human weakness intersects with divine omnipotence. And that's risky business. Are you hearing what I'm saying? See, in order to experience a miracle, you're gonna have to take a risk. If you don't take a risk, you forfeit the miracle. The greatest chapters in history, of human history, have been because someone took a risk. Someone got out of the boat. Now listen, as I bring this to a close and start winding this down, you need to understand that intimacy leads to faith and faith brings audacious prayers. See, for the believer, all intimacy with God is born out of trust that has been developed in times of prayer. Are you hearing me? See, I think about this all the time because I'll be honest with you, I'm challenged with this because it's very easy for me to draw back. It's very easy for me to just keep this in a realm that I could control. I'll just be honest with you, I'll just say it. I am not satisfied with our church. You say, what, you, you, you don't like us? No, I love you. I love you and I love every one of you and I love what God's doing here. But as I look around the room, I see empty seats. You say, what, what does that mean? That represents a soul. Somebody that could be here, hearing the word of God, being, you know, receiving grace, finding hope and experiencing transformation, coming into that place. And I'm telling you, church, you know, this, this I know this going, I'm gonna reach back a little bit. And some of you don't know who he was because it's been a while. But Pastor Howard, he talked about this a lot, about being a dangerous church. The problem is, church, people don't like dangerous churches because what they want is just a comfortable church. What they want is they just want it nice, easy, no conviction, no challenge. We just want to have our kumbaya spiritual time card. And when I say that, I don't mock that. I understand it because there's days that's all I want. There are days when I just want to, you know, just, hey, let's do our thing and, and be done. But I could tell you there are never any days that God wants that. Never. And the reason why is because God is passionately, hopelessly in love with his children. And what hangs in the balance, see, see church, we, we come together and, 
And we come together and we should celebrate together and we, we rally and we do these things together and we should, we should do this so, so that we can energize, but that's not really the point. The point is that we need to be this place, we need to be this oasis, if you will, this river, if I can use that illustration, that can go into the world and change people. Because God loves his people. He loves people and he wants to see them saved. You know, I had a kind of an interesting thing happen to me a while back. I don't know how far back this was, several months ago. Uh, Several months ago, uh, oh, I know when it was. I remember exactly now. Amy was on her missions trip in France. You know, and we paid for the money, you know, the thing to where her phone would work in France. And so we were able to, you know, text and call and all of that. Well, it was the last day of her trip in France, and so they were driving from Marseille into Paris, and then they were going to stay up all night walking through the city because it was the, that was the timing, and they were going to be up all night in Paris. Okay, well, Paris is a big city, obviously, and they're going to be up all night, and then they're going to go to the airport like eight in the morning. Well... We heard from Amy about eight o'clock in the morning, our time, when she's just getting ready to leave Marseille. Well, probably about 14 hours goes by and we didn't hear from her again. And now I'm trying to call her and it's going directly to voicemail. I can't text her, I I can't reach her. I was ready to hijack a plane and fly to France. I was coming unglued because my daughter is out of contact for 14 hours and she's in Paris. Now I'm going flashing back to Liam Neeson on the phone. I will hunt you down and I will kill you. The problem is I don't have a special set of skills. So what I have to do is I have to kill everybody because now you're all suspect. And so I am freaking out because what God did bless me with was an imagination. And I am freaked. I am like, God, what are we going to do? I am, I really, I'm literally, I'm on, you know, I'm looking at United and American and Air France and C&B crash and burn airlines. And I'm going, what's going to get me there? I am looking, I, I'm like, what are we going to do? And I'm thinking, well, who can I call at the school? Who can, you know, can, do, we, do we know any of the people? Do we have any other numbers? I mean, what, what is our embassy in Paris? I, you know, I am ready. I am coming unglued. I'm, I'm done. And so I got thinking about this. And, I, and, and just to give you the end of the story so you're not wondering, she did probably about 16 hours in. She called us and said, hey, I'm having a great time. And uh, but as I was thinking this through I'm thinking what must God go through see my love for my daughter is nothing compared to his love for me and for you and for the lost and so are we content to come into this church and just sit here and get our you know weekly little nugget and go away and have no impact in the world are we content to just come in and, 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 and sing our song? And, or do we want to come in and we, do we want to challenge ourselves to say, you know what, God, we want a dangerous church. We want to see souls saved because it ain't about me right now. Because you know what, when we do this, see, when you, when you get out of the boat and take a risk and when you start praying this way, then everything you have need of, God floods in. When you get yourself out of the center of attention, God puts you in the center of attention. And so what he does is he begins to minister to you in ways that you can't imagine. But let me tell you something, church. This idea of prayer in this subject is so over, or so uh, uh, woven in is what I'm trying to say, woven into this, that if we don't do it, we, we really do miss out on the will of God. Yes. We don't. We need to be telling people, we, we need to be saying, you know what, my whole job is gonna get saved. Not my coworker, my whole job. If you work at the hospital, go, everybody at the hospital is going to get saved. Not just the nurses and doctors and everything else, but all the patients too. They're going to get healed. The hospital is going to be actually a place of healing. 
You say, that's, that's silly. Now, now you're being presumptuous, you're being goofy. No, I'm, I'm actually walking in what the mind of God has. That's what he has. He says, well, why isn't anybody doing it? Because I don't know anybody's praying like this. And when you do find people that pray like it, they have it. These revivals that we've talked about in the past, they closed every bar and every place of sin down in the whole city, the whole region. In the, in the uh, Welsh, I'll shut up. I know I'm going, I'm off my notes so far. In the Welsh revival, the revival hit so hard and so significantly that there was one particular town that had a company that everybody worked at. And so everybody, because of the revival, were getting convicted of, because they stole material and tools. They were bringing it all back. And finally, the company said, please stop bringing the stuff back. We have no room for it. It's just amazing. It is just outrageously amazing. And so today, what I want to challenge you, the whole point of this sermon is challenging you. Let's pray audacious prayers. Let's get out of the box. Let's see God move. Can you say amen? Why don't you bow your head with me for a moment? Father, we thank you, God, for the goodness of your word. We thank you, Lord, that uh, you've come and you've given us this revelation. Father, we pray... um, Lord, that you would help us, Father, that you would challenge us and that you would uh, uh, encourage us to step out of the boat, to get into audacious praying. Lord, that we would pray big prayers. Lord, those things that we cannot do ourselves, those areas that we think are impossible, I pray that we do this, God, and we thank you for it. I wonder as every head is bowed, every eye is closed, if you're here today and you, you, know, you say, you know what, Pastor, I don't know Jesus as my Savior. I'm not right with God, or, or maybe at one time you were, but you find yourself disconnected, and today you wanna rededicate your life. You need salvation or rededication. If that's you, would you lift up your hands all across this place? Lift it up today, real quick, just up and down. Amen, I see that hand, I see those. Amen, I see those hands, yes, thank you. Anyone else? Yes, I see that hand. Yes, amen, thank you. Anyone else today, you wanna, you wanna raise your hand real quick? Amen. I want you all to pray with me. Would you all pray this prayer out out loud with me? Say, Lord Jesus, I ask you, come into my life. Forgive me of my sin. Be my Lord and my Savior. Come alongside me, Lord, and help me to live for you. I give you my life, and I receive yours in return. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, our prayer team is going to come here and they can come now. And before you get moving around, hang on just a second before you get moving. Let me just say this to you. If, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, we want to know about it. So come up and talk to one of these that are up in the altar. They'll pray with you. They'll, they'll help you. They'll encourage you. We just want you to be a part. We want you to know more. If you, don't, if you have a need of any kind, Come on up and let them pray with you. Let them believe God with you today. They will believe God. They'll pray an audacious prayer. Let me tell you, they'll, they'll pray. They'll pray big. And you say, well, I got a big problem. They got big prayers. So come on up. Let's stand to our feet all across this place. We're going to release you today. God bless you. You guys have a great Sunday afternoon. Thank you for listening to the New Life Kingman podcast. Can't wait to see you next week.